Hi everyone! Welcome to Ways of Being, a podcast dedicated to exploring African philosophy by looking at aspects of everyday life from an Afrocentric lens. Each episode is dedicated to exploring different ways to interpret this experience we call life. I'm Anike. I'm a writer and founder of oranike.com, which is a hub of resources and conversations focusing on ancestry and culture. This season is all about exploring the concept of resilience, gauging how it's applied and interpreted by three very inspiring people. What does it mean to have a vision, to take the first steps in moving towards it, maintaining it, and then finally basking in it? I'm curious about each step of this process and the presence of resilience in it. Oh, to the dandelion. There she is, diligently sticking to the assignment, making her way through the slabs of concrete and metal which humans have used as markers of success. That bright yellow tinge propping up across urban terrains, acting as a torchlight for resilience, carrying the message that in spite of it all, nature will always find a way. So the final episode is all about engaging with the process of basking in the vision. You know that sweet spot when the transition feels easeful? What's that like? And how do you keep showing up to expand the vision and resist complacency? We're going to explore these questions in conversation with Dr. Oluwatumininu Johnson, a raw vegan medical doctor, dancer and poet. Just as a side note, her name in Yoruba translates to God consoles me from within. And I think this beautifully encapsulates her work. So Tumi creates healing poem dances, which are dance pieces that are crafted from original poetry and made to ignite and expedite the healing processes of those who witness the dance. Holistic medical practice is focused on helping people identify the underlying causes of their health issues and using her expertise to offer individualized holistic regimes. She's also the author of Delicious Healing, a memoir where she shares her personal story of overcoming disordered eating depression and other diseases. I hope you guys enjoy our conversation as much as I did. So in making the decision to go raw vegan, what vision did you have for yourself and the life you wanted to live? Yeah, I think that's a, it's a beautiful question. And I think um, I like the, the word that you use there, which is vision. Um, because that's really what I think was the impetus in making such, one would think is such a dramatic move is that my vision was to really live my best life. Nothing less than that, honestly. And at the time it says, you know, I think you said like, if you can think back to where you were and I was just, I had a flash a visual flashback because it's so clear. And I remember I was in Fort Greene, Brooklyn. I was living in Fort Greene, Brooklyn. I was um, a younger doctor. <laughs> and I was part of a dance company. 
I'd just come back from working in Niger, West Africa, as a field doctor for Médecins Sans Frontières, Doctors Without Borders. And I was working as a part-time hospitalist. And I think on the outside, my life seemed really, really good. Um, but I was really still struggling. And that takes me back even further to when um, I had severe depression and um, as bad as it gets to the point that I did try to take my life when I was 23 years old in medical school. And I talk about that in my book, um, Delicious Healing, which is part memoir and part holistic wellness guide. But I bring that up to say that I was already doing a lot of things um, after that whole period um, of recovering from that to where I was now in Fort Greene. Now it's about five years later. Um, I was meditating. I was exercising more. I had cleaned up my diet, I thought, in really good ways. But I just had the sense it could be better. It could be better. And when I came back from West Africa, I dived into nutritional research. Uh, a lot of doctors do not get nutritional education in medical school, which is ironic. But because of the nature of work I was doing in West Africa, which is all about helping literally starving children and healing, helping to heal them, I dove into nutritional research and realized that my diet was not as good as it could be and that the implication of that was more than what I ate. It had effects on my mental well-being, my emotional well-being. So the vision was how do I feel not just better, how do I thrive? How do, how do I live into the person that I would love to be on all levels? It was no less than that. And I think when you are at death's door, which I was after the suicide attempt, I really made a, a, a pact with the divine and with myself that I would not settle for less than my most authentic and best life and life of service because I couldn't, I wouldn't do anything less. So it was, if I was given this chance, I needed to make it that good. And so I feel like five years later, I now saw this opportunity with raw veganism to take that leap and possibly have the best life possible. And, and so I did. It was that vision. And can you speak about the holistic impacts of making that decision to level up? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'll speak physically first, because I think that's what people are always like, whoa. Um, I'd had a lifelong battle with eczema and asthma. And I thought I would have malbuterol inhaler until the day I died. Within two weeks, my asthma was gone after I, I went raw. And within a couple of months, my eczema completely cleared up, never to come back again. But on a deeper level, um, mental clarity, um, emotional centeredness. Um, and then beyond that, after further time and consistency with it, what I call not, I call it spirit-centeredness, feeling really centered in spirit. Um, I mean, I get a little even emotional talking about it because I really feel like um, I stepped into the life I was meant to live. Um, 
in terms of my in terms of my relationships, I could no longer pretend <laughs> to be in relationships that were not um, healthy or that were toxic. Raw food doesn't allow for that because with raw food, you can't numb your emotion. So I was feeling everything and I was feeling things like anger and um, anger is very instructive, like I talk about in Delicious Healing. So it helped me start creating healthier boundaries to the point that my relationships leveled up also. So in terms of my relationship life, um, a few years later, I met the love of my life. And before that, I'd had a lot of relationships um, with men that, bless them, were not right for me. And I kept repeating this kind of pattern of self-sabotage in a way um, of choosing people who were not well in many ways. And when I leveled up in terms of treating myself um, with such love through the food I was eating, I started attracting, I attracted, I think, an, an incredible human being into my life. So relationships, the physical well-being, um, I'm a dancer, performance-wise, incredible in terms of, um, uh, of increased flexibility, endurance, strength, all of that, because, and I, I, I can get into it as much or as little as you want to, I chose and I have chosen a fruit-based raw vegan diet. So I eat a lot of fruits and vegetables all in the living form. And that's really the diet that our species is meant to be eating. We're frugivores. We're meant to be eating a fruit-based diet. And so when you're doing that, your performance and your ability to recover, to perform more, also increases. So mentally, emotionally, relationally, um, I found incredible results with raw veganism. And it just, I, hate, I mean, it sounds trite, but it's true. It just keeps getting better. I think there's something really interesting about your decision to go raw with food and it actually offering the chance to go raw with yourself. So that idea of facing the truth with love to let more love in. You said it beautifully. For me, raw is about returning back to who we really are, which is nature itself. And nature is all, it's all about being raw. It's all about being authentic and being unapologetically authentic. Um, it's about letting ourselves feel the full expression of that which comes through. Um, I find emotions to be so interesting. I find that if we can get away from trying to overattach them, but rather feel them and listen to them as possible teachers of what it is that needs to be healed, and then you just keep up-leveling and healing. But if you don't allow yourself to feel the raw emotions for whatever reason, and there's so many ways we can, we can prevent ourselves from feeling that, we never are whole. Healing and whole is the same entomology. Healing comes from the sense of wholeness. And so um, that's been a huge boon and, and uh, beautiful part for me of this journey. So when did this journey begin to feel easeful? And before this happened, so in the earlier months of transitioning to a raw vegan diet, how did you go about convincing the parts of yourself to fully invest in this decision? Was it something like you took day by day or did you have a time frame of sorts to work towards to help you? That's a great question. I think that 
you know, I think that um, self-love was something I was already um, very intentionally doing a practice on. And I start with that because I think when, when anybody tries to commit to something, whether it be a diet or um, even like a relationship or like your lo- a locker journey or natural hair journey, if you get this idea of like, it has to be this way and it's forever and it's, Maybe some people find that liberating. I have never found that liberating. I have found that to feel almost like a chokehold and it brings up perfectionist tenders tendencies in me. And I I read this recently and I love it. The idea that um, being anti-perfectionism is actually being anti-oppression. It's like once we can let go of being perfectionist, we actually start loosening some of these chains. And so I'll make a funny analogy, which is my freeform lock journey. I started locking my hair when I was 17 or 18. That's been 20, 27 years ago. I never started the lock journey thinking, I'm going to do this for 27 years. I just thought, this is what feels right right now. It feels so true. And every single day of that 27 years, there were some days where I was like, I don't know. (laughs) But Almost every day, it felt like the right choice. And so when you said the day by day, that's exactly what it was like for me. It's like every day I make the choice and I make the choice because it continues to feel good and it and actually keeps getting better and better and allowing myself the idea that if at any point it doesn't feel good anymore, I'm out. This is not about labeling myself as anything. It's about being authentic in my practice, in my life. So... I think it was granting myself permission in a self-loving way to not to leave, to not do this, the raw vegan thing, if it stopped feeling good. Um, it was taking it day by day, and it was practicing embodiment, which was that I realized I would eat this food, I would eat peaches, I would eat a watermelon, I would eat a big salad, and I would feel so good in my body. Versus if I had a big um, baguette, I can give you a quick story really quick about this, Uh, a quick baguette, and then I would feel dull and heavy and sick afterwards. So the idea of the aftertaste of food in terms of how it sits in your mind and your consciousness after eating it, um, it was not an overnight success, but it was this idea that I feel so good on this way. It feels right. It continues to feel right. So anytime I fall off, because there were so many reasons to fall off, my emotional resilience was not there from the beginning. I had to work on this idea of being okay with my emotions. Um, so it's a, it was a practice, but every time I would fall off, I would say, okay, what got me off? How do I tweak the strategy and get back on again? It's addiction 101. And as a primary care doctor, I knew that having studied psychosocial medicine with people who are heroin, cigarette, um, all kinds of addiction, sex addicts, is that you understand that relapse is part of recovery. And rather than saying, oh, I relapsed, I failed, it's, okay, how do I learn from that to then to then make the shift? And I can tell you now for the past, I don't know, seven, eight years, it's been so easeful. It's the easiest thing. I don't, and it gets easier. I, I can't even imagine. Other stuff other than this food doesn't feel like food for me. But in the first few months, in the first year, I moved to Paris soon after making this decision. And it was winter in Paris. I was having relationship pro- problems with my then boyfriend. 
I would have these days where I would just go into boulangerie and order two baguettes. And I was like, I'm not raw today, you know. And then the next day I would wake up and say, okay, how do I be raw? How do I stick to this? It was absolutely um, coming back over and over and not giving up and having the vision, having the intention, having the self-kindness to make those tweaks so that I could then stay um, the course and, and stay consistent. And just out of curiosity, did you have in place external support structures like other people in your life who were also on this journey? Um, in my physical life, not at all. Um, my boyfriend at the time when I went raw was literally he smoked weed every single morning. <laughs> he was a professional musician and he smoked weed every morning. He, he smoked cigarettes. I came back after doing this. I went to, so I went to a festival. It was called the Woodstock Fruit Festival. It was the first of its kind, all raw festival in upstate New York. And that's where I first found a tribe of people who were doing this. And it was a week with them and I felt amazing. And I came back to New York City and he took one look at me and he said your eyes are way too bright you're, you're you look too healthy <laughs> that was like the beginning of the end but my point is in my physical life there was nobody but what's beautiful now about 2020 2021 is that there's the internet and um I was able to start um interacting with people online who were also doing this from all over the world that led me to go to other retreats or festivals or just meetups just meetups and it was one such meetup when I was in California um, I met this one wonderful man who's a dear friend of mine um, he invited me to Thailand where he runs a retreat I went to the retreat on a just a intuition um, to teach yoga and to be part of the retreat. And that's where I met my beloved, my husband. So there is now, thanks to the end, there's a lot of things wrong, I think, with social media, but that's a whole other topic. But the wonderful thing about this web is that you can find like-minded people all over the world. But in my living, my actual in real life, Nobody, not one. There's not one raw vegan in my family. My mother now eats a lot more raw fruits and vegetables. Um, but no, but I have a tribe uh, because of the age we live in. And I guess that vision, that self-love that was already in motion was helping you in that, in that experience of maybe not having physical supports around. So, yeah. You got it. You got it. And you just get, I think you start getting, I just wanted to feel good. And I felt so good this way. And it's like, what well, I, okay, I could choose to have itchy skin and have an asthma attack, or I could choose to feel so good in my body and not be depressed. It's like, it's not, it's not hard when, when the results are that clear and that they were that clear and it can be uncomfortable to change relationships and shift things. That's for sure. I think having that physical and mental and emotional um, reminder from, from the benefits of it really helps you stay the course. What piece of advice would you give to yourself of 10 years ago that was, that was about to embark on this journey of raw veganism? <laughs> you know, I look back at her and I think, wow, you, you, were, you were courageous. And so I, I'm, it's almost like I just want to give her just a big hug and say, oh, Life is about to get so, so good, you know? I guess what I would just say to her is 
be even kinder to yourself. You know, during these first first hard times of the, the, the uncomfortable, the writhing shift of changing, of molting, you know, from one thing to, to another. Be super kind to yourself. Yeah. And did it feel easy to be kind to yourself in those moments where you felt less grounded in that decision? Mm, good question. Sometimes, yes, and sometimes it was the hardest thing. Sometimes I, w- I would just have so much frustration because it's like, you know, and I think people who maybe have tried this, I think a lot of people try different things with diets, um, but specifically with the raw vegan diet, I know people have tried it and they, they don't stick to it because they just think it's too hard. Um, and you can just think to yourself, you know, I know how good this, this is so good for me. I, I, I knew the science. I knew how good it was for me. I knew how good I felt. But yet I keep returning to the thing that doesn't make me feel good. Like, what's that about? And then you can start having stories around self-sabotage or self-hatred or whatever. And it can just be literally as simple as we're creatures of habit. Some of these foods are absolutely chemically addictive. So be kind to yourself. So I think I was good to myself sometimes, but sometimes I wasn't. And that's why I would say to her, even more kindness. Because that's also what then spills over to everything else in your life. I really, really resonate with the quote you have on your banner, the banner of your YouTube channel, where you... It's a quote which says, art as medicine, medicine as art. And I completely, <laughs> yeah, I resonate with that a lot. So can you talk about your experiences navigating through projections of what it means to be a medical doctor, as well as the ways you've created space to ground yourself in your own interpretation of what this means? Mm, <laughs> That's a deep one. <laughs> um... I think the best the best way I have found, I think everyone's, every person will have a different response to this and it might work differently for different people. For me, I think the best ways I have found to navigate it in a way that feels that's aligned with my heart and is of integrity for me is to navigate with so much compassion um, compassion, definitely for, for the patients I get to work with, but also for other medical staff, medical people who I may be in contact with who, are, who don't understand what I'm doing um, and the way I practice medicine. Um, and also navigating with confidence, as in faith and belief in what I do. Um, and to see the results, right? So it's like I've, I've been blessed to have patients who I am able to get them off their medication or, or they do it themselves, but I guide them in getting off their medication for diabetes, for, for hypertension, lose the weight, reverse PCOS. The, the list goes over, over and over through the practices of dietary changes, lifestyle medicine, yoga. I brought my yoga mat into the clinic and people were giving me the side eye but then people with chronic pain were getting better and getting off their medication. So if you have the results to show, that's a language that's understood by everybody. So navigating through those spaces by showing the results, by moving with both a confidence and a compassion. Um, and I think going back to the idea of um, 
spirit-centeredness. You know, before I walk into a clinic room, there's a prayer I do, there's a dance I will do. And it just gets me in that space of um, sac- sacredness to then go and be of service and be a vessel of healing. So these, these are practices that I do that keep me centered um, to be of, of, of highest service. Going back to your time in medical school, did you always have this openness to alternative ways of viewing medicine and health? My, the, one of the first books my mother gave me when I was a teenager was called, it looked almost like a huge, like two Bibles, it was called Alternative Medicine. Because I loved, I was, even as a little girl, I'd mix herbs together. I loved making poultices. Um, but, so the answer is I was always attracted to alternative and complementary and holistic medicine. And I was doing yoga since I was 12 years old from my own asthma. But I also had um, a societal, I believe, judgment around it because at the time it wasn't seen as something in general. And especially, you know, I'm Nigerian American, you know, it was like, if you're going to be a healer, that means going to medical school, right? And it means doing like this straight and narrow path. And for me, that was, that was, I love the science and I love the diagnostic medicine, but I also loved the herbs and the dancing and the libations. And I, for a long time, I thought those two things couldn't be together. So I think in a way I wasn't open to it. I, I, was, I wasn't open to a part of myself, um, and that, I think, is also what led me down the road to severe depression because it was it was a, a lack of self-acceptance. And it wasn't until um, I did work on allowing the dancer in me to bring my dance as medicine to the table, to bring my yoga as medicine, to bring my poetry, to bring the herbs, that um, I actually felt like I was being the best physician I could be then I became open, that, but that, not initially, no. And did these all come together as well during your journey of um, transitioning into a raw vegan lifestyle? Mm. I think it's a great question. After my severe depression in medical school and um, my failed suicide attempt, I started going to therapy. I started doing work on self-love. Um, so it was a step-by-step process. Raw veganism catapulted it for sure, like catapulted it to the next level because I was able to feel so good consistently enough to put things in place to make radical changes. Um, That's when I changed my practice. That's when I I started creating my own holistic practice. That's when I walked away from the dance company and started, started doing my own dance work as medicine. That's when I went to yoga teacher training course. All of that was at the, was after raw. So I think being raw, like you said beautifully, it's not just the diet. It's It peels, for me, it peels off layers of what isn't true. Yeah. And final question. What does resilience mean to you? So I've been writing poetry since I was, I don't know, six, seven, and... Um, I say that to say I I love words. I'm always interested in the meaning of words, the root root meanings of words, especially with language, right? It's like 
one word in one language may not be translatable in another. So resilience, I believe that there's a Latin entomology of that and the it's re and then silience comes from the idea of um, leaps, um, which I think is fascinating. And I think a lot of times when you look in the dictionary, resilience is talked about as being like rebounding or coming back, like you came back, you came back from the ashes or whatever. Um, and for me, maybe it's also how I navigate life and I the practice of presence um, I'm not so interested in the past. I'm not so interested in coming back. I'm just interested in leaping when it feels right. So for me, resilience is re, the re repeating is the idea of one that keeps taking the leap. You keep taking the leap. Sometimes the ground doesn't feel like it's coming to meet you at that leap and you feel like you fall on your face. But then do you leap again when your heart speaks to you to say that, that, that? And so for me, it's that idea of just leaping as opposed to recoil or coming back. It's just, it's soaring again and again and again with the understanding that even when it feels like the ground is not coming to meet you, it's still blessed because it's, then you're flying. And that to me is a life that is sacred and fun. So that's all for now, guys. I hope you've enjoyed this mini series. Until next time, take care.